Hello everyone and welcome to the Bite Sized Gaming Podcast. I can't wait for all of you to dive in and see what we have in store. We recorded these first few episodes all in a row and realized afterwards that we didn't do a proper introduction for our hosts. To remedy that, fix it in post as it were, here's who you'll be listening to in this first episode. And we'll try to do this for any new hosts we have later on as well. First off, we have Troy Sandlin. He's a craft cocktail bartender and a convention dungeon master and a convention administrator. He wears a lot of hats, and uh, we really like having him on board. Second off, we have the Dwarven DM himself, John Christian. You can check out his website, dwarvendm.com, and he's also a dungeon master darling at several conventions. Finally, I myself am on this episode. My name is Zach Goins. I help run bite-sized gaming, I write RPG content, and I throw myself to a ton of conventions each and every year. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, a podcast that's serving up a host of RPG topics to get you through your work week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are John Christian and Troy Samplin. Everybody say hi. Hello. Hi, everybody. So, let's break down how this podcast is going to work. Uh, this is a new format for us. You may have been familiar with uh, the previous iteration of our podcast called uh a bite of D&D. This one is called Bite Sized Gaming, and we've kind of expanded to allow for maybe other RPGs to take their place um, at the table here. Additionally, we've kind of switched out some of the hosts, and we're going to have a rotating group of hosts that come in every week, um, at least three of us. So you're going to have more voices at the table. Um, so how does this podcast work? What's the new format? There's going to be four courses Four segments to this new podcast. There's going to be an appetizers course, a main course, a palate cleanser, and a dessert. Each one is going to tackle a different angle on the world of RPGs, and we'll cover exactly what those angles are when we get to each segment. I think that's how it works. So, guys, are you ready to dive in? Let's yeah, do let's it. do it. All right. So. The first course is appetizers, or what we call the community pulse. These are two to three new items that we found around the community that are coming up. New products, trending stuff on Twitter, announcements, things like that. Um, Just two to three items, and we're going to take those one by one and and throw them out into the world. Uh, So for this segment, I'm actually going to start leading us off. And I've got three items for us to discuss today. Um, Number one is going to be a new project that's up on Kickstarter. Um, this is called Iserians Enchiridians. Hope I said that right. Of I think the, it's Enchiridion. Enchiridion of the West Marches. John, you seem like you had that word on the tip of your tongue. Tell us what an Enchiridion is. Yeah, so uh, I, the only reason I know of the word Enchiridion is because of Adventure Time and because my family is obsessed with adventure time right uh, I'll, I'll posting pictures of my son as finn later but uh yeah so the and the enchiridion at least in that iteration of the story was it was a a codex or codices or a tome of information on how to be a hero right the hero's enchiridion and so 
uh, Azerians in Kyridian, I would assume is it is a codex on the West Marches and how to play inside of them. I love a game, it. A West Marches game. We're already learning new things. Episode one, two minutes and fifty seconds in, and I am learning things. Um, <laughs> who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? I I I'm not surprised, honestly. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about uh, this cool project. It's up on Kickstarter um, as of the this recording it has 16 days to go we're going to have this episode up before it ends so you're going to have a chance to back it if you're interested um this is a product for fifth edition and for the osr they have met their funding goal they are into stretch goals right now um and the idea is to give the dm a toolbox a toolkit to play um west marches style games now um i think all all three of us in our discussion before this episode launched we kind of all understand what a west marches game is but troy could you kind of help our listeners know what is a west march game <laughs> oh i put him on the spot this is perfect you did yes you, you totally did because actually uh, i have always been curious about what a west marches uh campaign is uh from matt colville mm. it's kind of what he, he he talks about it quite a bit and I, myself, do not have a firm grasp as to what a West Marches campaign is. Oh, strike one. Okay, so well. <laughs> my Google Foo is strong, um, and the Stack Exchange is stronger. And what Stack Exchange at least tells me is that there, there are three things to find a West Marches game. There's no regular time. Every session is scheduled by players on the fly. Uh, there is no regular party. So you can have a pool of 14, 10 to 14 people that you play out of. Uh, and that there is no regular plot. So it's very sandboxy, Grand Theft Auto, minus the missions, that kind of stuff, right? At least that's what they're telling us uh, through Stack Exchange. I think that that's a perfect description of what West Marches is. Um, I see it a lot as being implemented as when you have too many players uh, for a regular campaign, um, and you're like, okay, well, whoever says they can play is going to play, and we'll figure out something to do once you get in. Um I think that that's typically how West Marches culminates. Or um, none of us have set s- schedules, and so it's we're going to play whenever we can play. And so um, once we can find a time to get together, we'll just throw something together because, again, we're, consistency really isn't an option. And I think that, honestly, that sort of play is pretty much the norm for a lot of tables at this point. And probably always has been. Right. Because yep. so, yeah, it's really difficult to get people to the table. Yep. Right? That's always the most miserable part about putting a game together. It's not all the prep ahead of time. It's about whether or not people are going to be able to show up. Exactly. So that's that's um, this product on Kickstarter. Um, let's talk about a couple other things. Um, number two is going to be that a new Border Kingdoms campaign setting was announced. And I, at least on my end, I felt like it kind of was announced and then died off and kind of flew under the radar. Um, and that is a tragedy as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Or should we go ahead and tell them maybe a bit about why this is a big deal? Uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it is a tragedy. Um, this is something that, uh, you know, for, for those that don't know, which, I mean, with all the new players out there, there might be some out there. Uh, Forgotten Realms was created by a man named Ed Greenwood. And Ed Greenwood just so happens to be the one working on this new Border Kingdoms book. Yeah. So it's 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 the original 
uh, creator coming back to uh, to help out and uh, flesh out this this wild and uh, rambunctious region of the realms. Yes, it, and Border Kingdoms is a section of the Forgotten Realms. It's not a whole new setting, but it's not on the Sword Coast. So most of Adventures League takes place around, or in most of the hardcovers that we've seen so far, have taken place around the Sword Coast. Border Kingdoms is removed from that. It's to the south and a little bit to the east, if I remember right. Um, and it's it's the cool thing about this book. It's just been announced. There's not a release date yet, as far as I could gather. But this book, this campaign setting, is going to be Adventurers League legal. And not only that, but um, Gamehole Con and some of the cons up, up north have been putting out Adventurers League modules for this setting for the past several years. So not only can you get the setting book very shortly, but you'll also be able to have a whole host of adventures that you can play with in this setting. I love it. Yeah, I think this is a big deal. I mean, this is uh, this likens quite a bit to me, like um, some of the other projects that they've they've released. Where oh, yeah. this is almost like Keith Baker coming back, yes, and uh, and, uh, and putting source material out for them, right? So this is huge. The fact that Ed Greenwood, the Godfather of the Forgotten Realms, is coming back to to flesh out this area and then offering it up to all of us to play in as our own sandbox and playground. This is, it's huge. And it's, it's really sad that it wasn't, uh, the people didn't grapple with it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much like Keith Baker putting out Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, except that wasn't a illegal. The closest thing that we really have to this book would probably be something like, um, uh, Pipyap's Guide to All the Nine Hells that was put out by the AL admins on DMs Guild, um, which is also a, a illegal. Um, to me, I'm getting the same similar vibes off this, but you're getting, a new region to discover uh, and you're getting the OG coming back. So it's really, really cool. And I will say that the cover art for this book is really cool. It's got a, it's got a, a manticore and wolves and uh, ghouls and all sorts of stuff on it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, it, it's also, it's also very much like the, uh, the Moonshade Isles regional guide. Yes. Baldwin games. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a direct correlation mm-hmm. for that. It, because all of that is illegal too, which some may not know that the Moonshade Isles were the uh, w- t- was the setting for the very first Forgotten Realms novels. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, talking about granddaddies, this area is the is the granddaddy. Yep. Okay. Um, I think that's a good push for that. Let's talk about our last and final one. Um, I kind of want, this is going to kind of steer into the meat and potatoes of our main course, but um, last but not least, I have the new Wildmount adventure that has come up for free on uh, D&D Beyond and also on Roll20 called Frozen Sick. Um, I had the opportunity to look through it. I thought that it was really cool, um, Not to no pun intended, uh, but uh, I think it's really interesting, really great of them to release it for free for people to get to try out the setting especially with the virus going on and and then lo and behold troy you were actually on the play test for this adventure so what can you tell us about it or what are your thoughts uh yes i was um it was a lot of fun i got i got to run it for my group uh my weekly group um it there there is tension there is there is uh neat areas to explore 
there's some pretty cool NPCs to both uh, befriend and uh, truly hate. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a really cool uh, introduction into an area that has not even really been talked about much on a Critical Role. Harsh climate, um, snow everywhere, uh, yetis and other beasts abound, and you're going on not so much a treasure hunt, but you're 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 digging into some frozen wastelands of of dungeons and it, it's it's actually pretty fun that's awesome i, I, enjoy, I don't want to i don't want to say too much about it because i don't want to give it away and for those that might actually play it but yeah if you're looking for something to uh dive into as far as the wild mountain book goes and you want to see what it's like i i would jump in on this it was a, it was a fun adventure to run and my players had a good time with it Love it. Now, is this, without getting too far into it, is this something that if, if you're a DM and you're not interested or your players aren't interested in playing in Wildmount, is this something that you could pick up and just insert into your home game or into a one-shot and not worry about the critical role setting? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it, you can totally, you know, wash, wash out those uh, specifics. You can take it and you can put it uh, in the spine of the spine of the world in Forgotten Realms if you wanted to. Um you could do it in uh, the, the the frozen north of Eberron if mm-hmm. you wanted to. Mm-hmm. It, it all fits. It, cool. It, it, it will fit wherever you want. That's the beauty of the of this book. Um, yes, it's wild mount and it's critical role, but it doesn't have to be for those of you that like to dig in and ooh, that's nice and and pluck it out and put it in your campaign. The the book is absolutely full of that kind of stuff. Sweet, awesome. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I think that's it for those. So let's go ahead and dive into our main course. Uh, the main course is DMs on DMing. We're going to tackle a topic that came up at one of our tables or just a topic that's in the world at large. And we're going to spend a little bit of time just marinating in it. So, Troy, I think you actually have the the topic for today. What do you, what do you have for us? Well, uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that this is a topic that has hit everybody's table and that is you know social distancing with the uh the covid19 or coronavirus mm. or you know however, however you want to want to talk about it um i i, I feel like I, I feel like we should talk about this as being a brand new podcast being launched during the time of social distancing yep and, but i don't really want to be all doom and gloom about it either right um so I want to know from the from the two of you uh, how how has how has this uh, impacted your gaming lives? Ooh, yeah. Uh, well, for me, uh, I'm I'm a face to face guy. I, mean, I, I love direct social interaction with people. I use my hands a lot. I make weird voices and funny faces and all that kind of stuff. So uh, this is this was tough for me. Uh, mm. My regular gaming group and some of the other groups here in uh in tennessee that i that i play with um i'm not able to interact with them the way that i the way that i prefer and so uh i had some dabbling with virtual tabletops in the past but i used them more as a tool for face-to-face interaction i would use my tv Mm. and i would and i would put move all the tokens around on the tv uh on the wall while everyone else was sitting around that way it would free up space and all that kind of stuff but uh now 
and I'm starting to migrate all of my games over to online game, uh, tabletop games. So um, it's a pretty big impact, and it's and it's a learning curve for me. I'm, I'm computer savvy, but there's a lot of time that goes into trying to figuring these things out. Um, even uh, as user-friendly as a lot of them actually are, there's still a learning curve for all of them. And so uh, I say all of that, again, not to... To, to, not as a complaint necessarily, but it's just something that I'm going to end up having to, to do. Right? And, and, and it's actually a really good skill to have because I've got friends of mine that are across the country that I've wanted to play with. Now all this now that I've got that new skill that I'm going to start bringing in, I'm going to be able to learn how to use uh, more tabletop or electronic tabletop devices um, or uh, platforms, then now I can play with those friends from across the country that I haven't mm-hmm. played with in, in years. So I think there is a lot that's going to end up coming out of all this that... It's a bummer, right? For people, those like me, where uh, I'm, a, I'm a social butterfly, but uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's going to be good because other people being trying that was that's always the hardest point of entry in in the in the hobby is finding anyone, someone, a group of people that you can play with, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, places like Warhorn and Meetup and things like that, where people can can get out there and get get hooked in and now they've got a place for them to play. And, and all it does is it galvanizes uh, the virtual tabletop space and gives them the impetus and hopefully the money with more subscriptions coming in and more people purchasing uh, modules and, and stuff like that from them to beef up what they've already got and uh, to make it more readily available for the layperson to, to dip into. Yeah, um, on my end, I would say, I was going to say, oh, it's fine. It didn't really ma- affect me at all. But that is definitely, as I think about it a little bit further, not true. <laughs> um, so my my typical regular games are online anyways. So as far as that goes, we're still, we're still going fine. No interruption. That being said, um, GaryCon got shut down. Uh, Gary Khan mm-hmm. was on my list of cons to attend this year and to run at. So obviously that affected my um, my gaming um, opportunities. Um, secondly, we uh, so uh, secondly we had a, a gaming weekend scheduled a few weeks from now in in Kansas City. Well, Kansas City just went on lockdown, um, so that's been moved to online. So on one hand, it's like oh well, it's going to be fine. Um, but again, like like John said, it's it's. For those of us who enjoy being face-to-face, and I think all of us like that to some extent at some point, and I certainly do, um, moving to online is a good alternative, but it's not its not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for, it does, for me, it does, just doesn't, it doesn't scratch that itch, you know? Yeah, I think, like, I, I end online games, and I'm always happy that I did them, and I really enjoy it, and all that. But there's something special that happens, and this is just true whether you're playing board games or RPGs or just hanging out with people. There's something different about being around a table um, in the same shared space. Right. Yep. What about you, Troy? What, how's it affecting you? Well, I, I'm, I'm following your lead there, John. Uh, I am a very, you know, a visual person. I, I do uh, hand gestures and I, you know, set my body in a certain way for certain NPCs, make faces and, wear goofy glasses and you know whatever um and i I like to make terrain i like to i like to make my own miniatures i'm very much a a paper minis guy and i have eight players at my table Hmm. so uh i i came to realize really quickly that uh at least i I tried roll 20 and i'm not 
it was it was great. Uh, there is a definite learning curve. Eight people on a virtual tabletop is rough. Yes. Mm-hmm. It. Uh, I definitely felt a disconnect between most of my players. Um, some were a little more quiet than I thought they would would be. Being a, you know, you don't have that embarrassment of being in person and role playing. You you have a disconnect. So you, I was hoping for more role playing, and we got less role playing. Yeah. And yeah, I just felt like that maybe you know there is a there is a hard disconnect, and, and most of the things that I've seen because I've never used one before. And I gotta say, uh, I, I'm not a fan of some of the the tutorials from the companies themselves. That was a that was a harsh learning curve for me <laughs> trying to do that. Uh, there was a YouTuber that saved me. Um, I I hope Zach will put his uh, his YouTube channel in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that you, so that anybody else out there can uh, can take a look. But yeah, within a couple, probably twenty minutes, he had me up and running and building maps and and ready to go. But uh, but yeah, I just I missed that in person contact. And to top it all off, uh, I was getting ready to run some coworkers through their very first uh, game of D and D today, mm-hmm. and with uh the shutdown it, it was at a restaurant we it, you know, and uh here in indiana you know the restaurants are closed except for uh, carry out and delivery i'm assuming pretty much every place is like that at this point um so you, we can't meet there and there's enough of them that uh doing it online is a is a barrier right now yeah for that so yeah it, it's affected me quite a bit it's also uh given me the idea that you know hey i i'm not working because of all of this maybe i can add a couple more online games and see what mm-hmm. happens yeah so yeah exactly that's uh i actually i had a similar uh look at it myself i i, I get on the boards groups social media all that good stuff and i constantly see people that are that want to play and i want them to play because that's the like the thing that I, I, as much as I love running games and playing in games and things like that, the, I think the thing, the goody that I get the most out of this hobby is watching other people play and enjoy it. And if I'm facilitating that, it's, it's, it's even better, right? And so, whenever now, what I'm really hoping that I gain from this is, you know, with the expertise of being able to do it in face to face, virtual tabletop, whatever. If you want to play, I'm going to make sure that you get to play. If I've got the time. And now we've got lots of time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but now we've got this extra time. I want to be able to facilitate that and bring more yeah. people to it. You know, uh, and kind of like Matt Colville, who's my my, my hero. The end. Well, I'm not gonna say anything he's else about that. <laughs> oh my god, he so is. I love him. I just want to hug him and weird him out. <laughs> so oh. I, I totally wouldn't. Uh, I respect him too much to do that. And know that, I know that it would, uh, it would it would cripple him if I were to do that to him. No, uh, <laughs> no, uh, he. I love he is an advocate not just for people playing but also for the reason why he even started his channel was to get people to run games mm. right exactly. and so 
uh, that's like that's the next level to me. It's like if you can, it's like creating disciples. You know, you you the like I have taught I've taught you everything that I know. Now go forth and and play games and run games for other people. You know, so I think that's that's huge. I think we've got a really awesome opportunity right now to do that for people. Well, I think that's a big part of what we're doing here with this podcast as well. At least that's the idea coming together is that it's a bunch of DMs sitting around a table sharing in experiences, sharing ideas, frustrations, tips, strategies, whatever we whatever we want to uh, yep. as a way to build the community and offer ourselves as a resource, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, to, to John's point, that kind of goes into the next part I wanted to talk about, and that's how can we make the most of the situation that we're, we've been dealt right now? Um, for me, work on those new campaign ideas that, you know, that you had bubbling in the back of your brain all this time, but you just couldn't scrounge out the time to do anything about it or build terrain or look into new systems, things like that. Uh, we mm. have a captive audience at this point. There's a lot of people sitting at home going, I have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. I, I would like to challenge everybody out there um, to maybe uh, offer to host a game online for those family and friends that have never played before. And hey, I'll piggyback on that real quick. If you if you are listening and you're like, "Man, my family is not is not tech savvy, nor are they tabletop savvy." So, the chance of them getting in on a game of D&D is pretty low, especially online. I will tell you, there are some really good board game simulators out there. If the first mm. step needs to be get them online playing board games, so be it like like that's that's super fun um yeah. It, yeah. and do that and get them used to that and then i think D D can or whatever rpg you want to introduce them to is a great segue that's a much easier thing to bite off at that point that's a really great point i, I that's something that i've i've used as when when a, people are trying to f- figure out a way to get their friends, family, coworkers, anyone to play with them, I always tell them to start with the board games, right? Yep. That there are some board games that lend themselves very strongly to the feel of Dungeons and Dragons, that asymmetric play of one person as a facilitator slash storyteller, everyone else being a character and a thing. Uh, I think a, a prime example of that would be Last Night on Earth, which mm-hmm. is a, a zombie survival tabletop board game. It's the players versus the guy that's running all of the, or girl or whoever that's running all of the, the zombies. Right. And so that's all D and D is, is one person's facilitating acting as everyone else other than the stars of the show. Right. And so if you can get them there and say, look, the next level to this is no borders there, this board game, this board that we've got here and these little locations, that's all there is to this game. Dungeons and dragons is, everything the rpgs tabletop rpgs like there's an entire galaxy far far away to play out play in in uh star wars and not just on this video game where it tells us to go from point a to point b or anything like that it's like that's what tabletop rpgs is it's limitless options for you to play out of yes and i'll I'll just go ahead and say troy you mentioned something you said look into new systems um for those dms out there that are listening to this podcast that's a huge thing that i'm taking advantage of with this time that we have uh, you know i have i don't know about you guys but i have a whole shelf full of D stuff but then i have a second shelf full of all these other great systems yeah. that i haven't gotten around to so you know on my list is call of cthulhu and mothership and uh, the new vampire setting and 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a GUI cube, which I guess is fifth edition, but it's a whole other aspect of fifth edition. I've got I've got um, Demon Wars. I've got a billion things on that shelf, and and now is a perfect time. And like Troy said, you got a captive audience out there who you can uh, hound, harass, and wrangle into getting into these these games with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and we piggyback on that too. Like right now, we're talking about other games that we need to get to, right? For, for those out there that are D&D centric or tabletop RPG fantasy centric or anything like that, there's that's a really, really great thing. Just like, D&D is not the only thing out there. It's my favorite thing. Um, and it's what I cut my teeth on. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there's, there's so much else that's out there, like kids on bikes. I really mm-hmm. want to play kids on bikes. I want to play um, uh, The Loop. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, there's a and there's a new series coming out for it. I was blown away. Amazon, thank you for creating a series based on the that game. There's uh, Tales from the Loop. Excuse me, Tales, Tales from, from the Loop. Yeah. 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 There's so much out there. Tales from the Loop just did just put out that same company. Um, Morpheus just put out a um, Alien RPG, which looks oh. insane. <laughs> yes, I heard about that. Yeah, I want to I want to check that out. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, and of course, I'm a I'm a Star Wars nut, right? So, Edge of the Empire. Yep. You know, like, there's so much stuff that's out there. Fantastic system. Yep. Yes. You can pick up all the uh, Adventures in Middle Earth stuff real cheap right now in PDF. Yep. Uh, if you like yep. Lord of the Rings, or if your family likes Lord of the Rings, that's a great segue into D and D by saying, "Oh, you don't D and D sounds weird. How about we just play Lord of the Rings?" All <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> there, oh, I think there's even there's a Harry Potter one out there, isn't there? I'm sure there is. I, I haven't I seen it. I know there are board games. I know there, there are board... Well, I wouldn't call them board games. But yeah, there's games uh, around Harry Potter. I don't know that there's actually... Dude, if there's not, that, that's a cash cow oh waiting, to be, waiting to be milked. Oh, definitely. You know? definitely. Totally uncapitalized, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. More than likely, if, if it is out there, Modifius has the license to it. They've got every other license out there. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> right. Yeah, which is great. awesome. I mean, I lo- love love their stuff, but man, they have every license out there. Yeah, they're they're doing the Lord's work. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. That is true. But yeah, I I just wanted to yeah, I just wanted to bring this this topic up, you know, because it it's obviously yeah. affecting everyone. And you know, gaming does not have to stop just because you can't get to your friendly local game store. Uh, reach out. Um, one of the things that uh, my game, the, the owner of the, of the game store that I go to, is very concerned about are, are those people who this weekly game night is what it helps them cope with their day-to-day lives. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, with their day-to-day lives being thrown up into the air and with all the, the, the stuff going on right now, those people need that outlet. Yep. So please... Uh, if you if you know people that 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 are like that, reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, social distancing is is necessary, but it is hard for for those people that need that contact. So reach out. Use a virtual tabletop like Roll Twenty or Fantasy Grounds or Astral, um, Discord, Skype, uh, Facebook, Zoom. I don't care what it is, but don't stop gaming game more uh reach out to the people that maybe you've seen them at the store but haven't had a chance to game with them yet talk to your store owner and see if uh, you guys could put together some kind of a a discord channel for the store and and play some play some games with some new people i love it don't stop don't stop gaming 
That's it sounds like a journey song to me, baby. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. Don't stop gaming. Yeah. Don't stop it. gaming. Well, let's yeah. go ahead and dive into our palate cleanser. How about that? Let's let's jump into Fantastic. something yep. <laughs> even more lighthearted. A little, a little bit more lighthearted than uh, yes. yeah, lockdowns and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So the palate cleanser segment is one of us is going to tell a story or an incident that came up at one of our tables recently that raised a question or just was interesting in its presentation, and we're going to discuss it. Um, I think, John, you have a story that you want to present to us today. I, story time. I do. It's, yeah, it's story time, right? It's a legendary story around my table. <laughs> I have a... Um, this actually kind of dovetails quite a bit with the, the previous uh, palate cleanser story that Zach gave us uh, in the last podcast. Uh, at don't, my table, hang on, John. They don't know, yes. but that's going to be the second one. So next podcast, we're recording. Oh my! Oh, sorry. Order. No, oh my you're God. fine. It's oh, a little man. teaser. Yeah. It's time. It's timey wimey. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, let's let's reverse it and uh, let's do that right. Okay. So anyway, so uh, so here's here's how it goes. Uh, I've got. Uh, my ta- my gaming group was five uh, five people at the, at the table, and have I had one guy that was playing a linchpin character. Right, his name was Edgar, and Edgar was going to essentially going to be the character that would be king. And everyone had already this was a known right, the, and I had centered the story around Edgar, like he was the center of the universe. And everyone else was had an important part to play, and they were all stars in it, but Edgar's character was of critical importance because it was all about him, uh, his journey towards the throne. Well, uh, I learned the hard way uh, pretty quickly. After about two and a half years of playing uh, this campaign, whenever there was this, you know, the big big bad boss monster that the, the players were going up against and had all this buildup, and um, the, I swung in the wrong direction and totally murdered Edgar hard. Oh. And um, so, <clears throat> yeah, so the, the, harsh, <laughs> the harsh reality of that was that I had put all of my eggs into one player's basket. And then everything began to unravel very, very quickly because in my games, as, as harsh as it may be, I try to be as realistic as possible and... So that there's verisimilitude there, and so essentially what ended up happening is with him dying, all of these other threads that they tied together to kind of build up this kingdom and build up this land and all these political dealings that they'd done in the past, and all of it came crumbling to the ground, and they lost everything. And so to this day, probably six years on, I still hear about this, at least on a weekly basis from these players, about the one time that I took everything from them. And ruined everything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I laugh, I laugh about it, but it was what I've learned from it, and I've going to kind of want to get your your take on this. So have you guys ever had? Because this is what what I learned was I put too much into one player, and if that and if that player had moved, gotten married, got another job, or anything like that, like I I focused so much on one player. Now, granted, no one else was robbed of their identity, agency, and attention at the table. But the story itself was all interwoven around this one thread, that one person. Uh, and I learned the hard way not to do that again. Uh, hmm. You guys had anything like that happen from your end? Oh, I, I mean, I would say 
nothing to that extreme, certainly. And and listening to you tell that story, I was just like inwardly both cringing and also just like, oh, you swung for it though, man. Like it could be so cool. <laughs> oh, um, but no, I would say that that's always the danger, not just with one character, right? But even with a whole party, um, especially like, like, I mean, Critical Role is maybe the tried and true and overused example, but I think that there's a reason that they're overused is that they're great. Um, think about one of those characters dying right now in the middle of all this. Think about, I mean, we're, sure. we're kind of in the middle of all of it, and oh my gosh, I just lost all of their names. But think about Caleb dying right now to a random encounter or to just right. any encounter. It would be awful for the build of the story that they've got going on, right? And we would all be devastated by that um, as fans of the show. That being said, like what I think Critical Role does a good job of, and, and what I would maybe say is the antidote to this, is to make sure that all characters are being moved up at least somewhat with consistency. So that maybe there's one character right now who's top dog and who we're focusing on the story but if something were to happen to them there's some other character waiting in the wings who can who already has a natural flow of incline for their story to where it makes sense for them to now take the reins take the lead and and for the spotlight to fall on them that would be my approach to that specific gotcha. thing Roger Keep Troy. It... oh sorry go ahead uh, no. oh it's I, I think so. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm going to ramble if I say anything else. So we're okay. good. No, no, you're good. Uh, I I can't recall of, you know, uh, setting up a character to be that important in any of my campaigns. I know I've had players that tried to set their characters <laughs> to be that important in my campaigns, um, which can be a little, uh, a little rough trying to still facilitate a story where they're going to have fun but uh but yeah i agree with, i agree with zach um don't for me at least don't try to put all of that weight on one character's shoulders to where if a bad thing happens what, what's your story going to be now right uh, oh although what? that and it also depends actually you know let me let me kind of backpedal on that that's for my from my experience that's what i would do because i've always had you know at least five players sitting at my table but with the essentials kit yes you've got the ability to have one dm and one player mm-hmm. i guess really you've always had that ability it's just now they've actually put rules out there for it and uh that person can be the the king because if that way you know if they die, then the whole campaign's over. You don't have to really worry about it. Yeah. Hmm. That's a really good point, though, Troy, is that the idea of, of a, of a uh, player who would be king is is something that is definitely more explorable the smaller the group is. Yeah, sure. Um, and something it may not be possible with five people, in, in, in at least not frequently successful. But when you only have one or two people, you can really start to play the strings. And on the back end as the DM, you also have to understand that the story hinges upon your two people not dying, <laughs> um, which, which, which is, can be a trick in and of itself. But, but that's well, an interesting you know, idea. If, if, if that does happen, then you know, it's time to start a new campaign. Fair. Mm-hmm. So not a bad thing. 
Well, yeah. and see what happened in this instance. The the silver lining in it was first of all, I learned a lot from yes. that. But yes. I, I, and learn, but what I also learned about too is is pivoting hard whenever things like that happen. The right. game didn't. The game it fell apart, but it's still at the same time it didn't. You know, we didn't dissolve as a group and hate each other or anything like that. What I ended up doing was the the nature of the game or the 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 central plot device, the central tension changed. Right, and it, it was good because we'd been playing this game for two and a half years, and I wouldn't say that we were it hadn't. Um, I hadn't got tired or played out or anything like that at all. But what it really did is it definitely breathed new life into it. So it turned from a game of Edgar, of Ed, build Edgar up, build Edgar up, build Edgar up, and we'll, we'll have our own little uh, fiefdoms and like I'll be the the head wizard and you'll be the you know the head of all the, the general of all the armies and that's how you'll you'll find your awesomeness in the game. To it turned into survival and it, it turned into like. A, a very political intrigue of trying to like how do we now we've got to get out right because like as soon as the king the the king or the the player that would be king is dead now the whole thing pivots on uh, turn is turned on its head so it changed the dynamic of the game and actually brought new life into it uh, mm. but I don't think that that's I'm, it's hard for me to recommend that to especially for fledgling uh, dungeon masters or game masters that is that's really tough to do and you have to have a very trusting group of players for something like that to happen to say okay look let's now what we're going to do is we're going to pull the the curtain back for a second i'm just going to be john instead of being the dm yeah. for a second and let's talk about what just happened and how we're going to end up going from here yep that, that's a, that's i think that's the perfect point to kind of close this discussion off on is when you're faced with those sorts of obstacles where we just hit a massive roadblock in the way that this campaign was going the best thing that you could do is tell your players we just hit a roadblock. We're going to have to figure something right. out, right? Like, uh, your players are your friends 99% of the time. Your yeah. players are your friends. They're going to work with you on that to, to and, and be willing to do that hard pivot into something different. Yep, yep exactly. Yeah. Awesome. I would like I would like to hear that story on, on what you did. Uh, not, I will. Maybe not right now, but, uh, yeah. you know. Ooh. Oh, I'd, I'd love to tell it. <laughs> we'll, ha- we'll, ha- we'll say that for a uh, pilot cleanser for another time. We'll, yeah, we'll yep. Or a discussion for another time. Maybe a full-on discussion is what it deserves. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's move down into the fourth segment, uh, fourth segment of this podcast, the segment called Dessert. These are the sweet little tidbits that we fell in love with this week. This could be a podcast, a Discord, a product, actual play on YouTube or Twitch or wherever. Maybe even just a tweet that you're like, oh, that tweet just hit me in the right spot. Um, so w- let's see. Let's see. I think all three of us have a little tidbit to share today. Um, let's see. John, why don't you tell us about yours? Oh, man, I'm excited about mine. So I, I, uh, I YouTube quite a bit, and I've found a YouTube channel that is one of my favorites right now. It's called How to Drink, and uh, yes. the gentleman on that, uh, that, uh, that channel crafts and creates uh, adult beverages of every uh, shape and size, but he focuses primarily on pop culture drinks, mm. uh, whether it's Skyrim drinks, hot buttered rum from or uh, uh, from uh, Harry Potter or uh, Six Demon Bag, uh, things like that, right? Star Wars drinks and things <laughs> like that. Well, he focused. Uh, I think it was uh, back. It's back. This is back in November, but I only found it just now. He focused on Dungeons and Dragons drinks. And uh, he had two in particular. One he called Tavern Punch, and one was the Cobalt Cooler. The Cobalt Cooler was for kids. It was a non-alcoholic beverage. And then Tavern Punch was obviously for adults. And uh, 
this guy's a giant nerd, and uh, he actually streams his games. So I started watching some of the games that he, he streamed, and the, the episode itself was brilliant, but I cannot recommend it enough. There's Flaming Moe's, uh, like the Sarah Madre Martini from Fallout New Vegas. There's so much stuff out there, but he focused entirely on Dungeons & Dragons, and the guy knew exactly what he was talking about the entire time. It was pretty cool. Dude, that is awesome. Yeah, That's I, really I, cool. I watched that. As a as a craft cocktail bartender myself, yeah, I have watched this guy. He is he is legit. He's fun. Yeah. Uh, I would piggyback on that. Just just maybe a tidbit for you next time, John. Have mm-hmm. you checked out the Acquisitions Intoxicated stream? I have. Yes, I have. It's really good. Yes. Cool. So for for those listeners out there, um, Acquisitions Incorporated, Penny Arcade, um, the main guy tied to all that, Jerry Holkins. Uh, gets together with a buddy, and I think they're still doing it weekly. But I mean, there's there's years of it. There's at least a couple of years of it out, out right now of a brewing show where they brew, design, fashion, and brew a beer, or or some other type of drink on stream, and then they'll go let it uh, fermentate for a while in a closet, and then a year later they'll on another stream they'll pull out this beer or whatever and have a drink and all of it is themed around acquisitions incorporated D in general like all of the different beers are based on different characters or different classes or different locations within the forgotten realms it's really cool it's cool from a DD perspective it's a cool from an acquisitions inspect perspective and it's a super cool from just a brewing perspective yeah i agree that i can't recommend awesome. that enough either yep, yep. um uh, I feel like that should be my tidbit for today, so I'll just do a really short one. Um, I picked up my my first print-to-order product from the DM Guild today. Um, I got it in. Uh, I picked up Pip Yap's Guide to All of the Nine Hells. It's a book yeah. that was created by AL Admins. Um, it's AL Legal. Um, and I really wanted to see what does print-to-order from the DM Guild look like. Um, so I went ahead and ordered this. And it is very, very, very nice. Um, I would make a couple of little notes. Obviously, the layout and design is going to be less than a official product, right? Because this is made by people just like us. So um, it, it's still really well laid out, but you might see a few more design errors in there than you would in an official product. And the book itself, while really, really nice, I really like the cover. I really like the, the feel of the pages. Um it's obvious that at least on the binding side of this, it's probably not going to hold up as long as some of the other books on your shelves. Though we all know that Wizards books don't hold up super well sometimes either. Um, uh, so, I, but I would say don't don't hesitate if if you're like me. I hesitated for too long. Don't hesitate if you are someone who loves things in print. You can definitely order something on DM's Guild and get something that you're happy with. Very cool. And I actually agree with that. So I, I got my copy too, and a lot of the notes that you're saying are, are spot on. And more than the most important thing is, it's actually it's a great book. And it was really really well. You can tell there's a lot of love that was rubbed into that book, um, and it really it really shows in every page. Love it. Okay, and uh, and my my piece of dessert uh, goes back to the to the main course. Um, the different virtual tabletops out there are, are doing, are trying to do something to help out. Uh, Astral, uh, if you're if you're not familiar with that one, um, they're they're doing some discounts and some free products. Uh, Roll twenty, 
uh, is putting together, or they put together, uh, if you're a pro member, uh, you're getting some different uh, offerings for free. Uh, Call of Cthulhu has put out some free stuff. Uh, Fantasy Grounds has a discount right now for a lifetime license. So, you know, like I said before, don't stop, don't stop playing games because, you know, we are all in this together, so let's have fun. Absolutely. Love it. Anything else you guys want to throw out into the world before we close this thing out? Uh, actually, yes. Ooh. Um, if anybody out there that's listening, you know, if, if you're listening uh, during the time of the, the COVID-19 lockdowns or if you're listening to this uh, months and months or years and years later, um, our contact information will be in the show notes. If you if you need something, reach out. If you need help getting involved in a in a virtual tabletop, not sure how to do that, reach out. Uh, if you've got some direct questions, reach out. If you just want to say, "Hey, we like your podcast," or "Troy, I hate your voice," you know, whatever, reach out. Because <laughs> uh, you know we're a family, and uh, we're here to help. So I love it. Yes. Yep. And here's Troy's cell phone number if you guys need it. It's area code one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, crap. No. Yeah, no, we won't do that to you. Uh, no, but definitely, we would love to hear from you. And um, I'm actually running through our uh, our local um, FLG. I'm running a whole bunch of Roll20 how-tos over this next week, helping people know how to navigate that space. So I would happily include anyone of our listeners in on something like that. If you want to reach out to us, I can help you learn the basics of Roll20 and playing online. So with that, I think we're going to call this a good, solid first start to this bite-sized gaming podcast. Really appreciate the two of you for hopping on and joining in this conversation. My pleasure. Yep, thank you. I am full. Oh, gosh. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to close that out, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Take care, everybody. Take it easy, everybody.